You just need to follow somebody who's just two or three steps ahead of you. Mm. And that's the reality. It doesn't necessarily need to be the person, you know, who just got the Grammy last year. It could just be as somebody's like, hey, you know what? There's somebody on my block or there's somebody in my in my county or there's somebody in my city that owns a studio. And I just want to ask them a couple of questions. Why don't I just buy them lunch? It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. So I'm super excited to be here today with Ivan Coraliza. He's professionally known as Ill Factor. He's a Grammy-nominated music producer. He's been producing for over 15 years with you know, some kind of smaller, tiny artists like Justin Timberlake, Cher, Cody Simpson, Cobra Starship. Jason Derulo, Timbaland. So, you know, just tiny, tiny little, little artists, not like multi-platinum musicians or anything. So he has a really inspiring story. He went from, you know, making music in the bedroom to, to the Grammys. And so as artists nowadays, such an important skill is becoming, you know, learning how to produce yourself and, you know, getting high quality songs, even if you're going to work with a producer, knowing how to make yourself sound great for your demos and learning that skill set, I think is super valuable. So I'm really looking forward to talking a little bit with you today, Ill Factor, and hearing some of the biggest lessons that you've learned. And to start out, I mean, one, I want to say thank you for being, for being here right now and, and sharing your story. You, how yeah. dare you, good sir. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited, man. Thanks for bringing me on board, Michael. Yeah, Look man. Th thanks for being here. So I I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story in terms of like how how you went from the bedroom to the Grammys. Could you, could you talk yeah. a little bit about your story? Well, I just woke up like this, and that was it. I woke up, I put my pants one leg at a time, and then I just walked right out with a Grammy. I there wish you go. I mean, that's that's how it goes most of the time, right? I mean, for like 99% of people, is like they just were like completely, they're there from the start. No transformation, no challenge. Yeah, I think I have, uh, it was, you know, ate, had a bowl of honeycomb cereal, and then I was like, the future became bright and clear. Well, okay. no, just like anybody who's listening in on this, we all start off with a passion that we have for music. You know, growing up, my dad was a musician and he was in a salsa band. I grew up in a, he was Puerto Rican, my mom's Cuban, and I grew up here in Miami, Florida. And so that had an influence and for me, just that left the door open for me to kind of walk through and say, hey, I want to explore music. I, I'm moved by music. It, it, it just, it just stirs my soul in such a unique way. And I noticed one thing that in, in the group of friends I would hang out with, they weren't really, one or two were, but for the majority of my friends, they weren't, really didn't, weren't impact or moved the same way I would was moved by music. So I knew that, okay, this is something cool and unique. So I think all of us in, in, that, are, that are either listening or, or watching, we have that passion. We have that, that, that switch or that, that, that itch, so to speak, to kind of pursue music and grow deeper in, in the production or creating of music. So man, that led me to just starting to DJ out of high school. I started DJing and buying little, I spent all my money mowing my neighbor's lawns and stuff like that. And working at the flea market here in Miami, just saved up for like a couple of drum machines. And I would start going to DJ at underground raves. So like here in Miami, there were a lot of like these warehouse parties that would go on this like 98, 99, and a lot of drum and bass parties and things like that. So I would like go to those things and, and I would just take my little drum machine and a turntable with some records 
And that was like my, you know, contribution to the scene and just kind of getting involved with that. That led into diving deeper into the, the whole process of like making electronic music and music production in general. And I think Fruity Loop or it was like Fruity Loop Beta just came out. They were just like, hey, here's this thing. And I was like, wow, music creation on the computer, mind blown. And so, so I started diving deep into that and got into just producing a lot more of the electronic music. And I, as I was going through college, I had a job at Sam Ash. It's a local music store here. And I was just doing a bunch of remixes for other people and just producing that. And that was really the key that turned the lock, right? To open up the door of opportunity because I linked up with uh, George Noriega, who's, who started doing a lot of work for Ricky Martin right after the La Vida Loca and, and some several artists in the Latin American market. And I rubbed shoulders with him and he was like, hey, listen, I'm looking for somebody to do some of that electronic music programming on the stuff we're working on. We're working on Ricky's new album. And I was like, okay, great. I'd, be, I'd love to do that. And that was my first experience of working in a professional studio for an artist and behind the scenes type of thing. And I was like, wow, this is it. This is what I love doing. The interacting, the the the, the connecting, and 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 just pouring out what I naturally was was gifted to do, in and, and contribute that to this project. Later on, I, I linked up with with Jimmy Douglas, who is a legend within himself. He's mixed everything from like Ro Foreigner, Aretha Franklin, Rolling Stones, and then found Timberland, Missy, and Genuine, and, and so was a big contributor to that sound. When I linked up with him, it was the same thing. Timberland was was looking for somebody to do a lot remixing of the stuff they were doing, and and rather than trying to sell water to a whale, and I mean that in the sense of like, rather than say, yo, here are my hip hop beats to you know, Timberland, I was like, look, I make electronic music, which is on the opposite end of the spectrum for you. So if you need remixes done, it was like, yeah, we could use some remixers. So I started doing some remix stuff for Jimmy, doing additional production on his, his mixes. And then that led to us just establishing a great relationship and kind of just stayed within the, the crew. And that led into with artists like Matis Yahoo, that was the first, well, Genuine was the first artist I got to produce on my own, where I got credited as produced by Ill Factor. And I, I got that name just from my DJ days. So I just stayed with it. And it just, it just kind of stayed all throughout the career. I had that. I was say, I, dude, like you don't, you don't look that ill. You look like a pretty healthy, strapping young fellow. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's on the inside. No, I mean, it was, it was like, at the time I was doing like math homework. I was like doing factorizations and I was reading like a magazine on, on Nas's Illmatic. I was like, oh, I could be the ill. And that started off like this corny, like DJ name thing. Then I stuck with it. I had the chance to change it. And I just didn't. And I, and I stay with it. So whatever. You know it, what? There was a there was a, a period where I had like a parody DJ project called DJ Nightclub. And I don't think that the name is like taken yet. If you Google DJ Nightclub, though, it makes you look awesome because there's like a bunch of photos of the DJ like the back. So, I, you know, if you wanted to use the name DJ Nightclub, you know, just, just throwing that out there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I probably won't. <laughs> but okay, no. good. I can still I can still use it then. Great. That's that's you good news. It's totally up for grabs. No, man. So <laughs> needless to say that that really that's kind of like the long way around the barn. But the story really at the very heart and the core of the story was the mentorship that I was able to to have access to that led me. I mean, this is before YouTube. This is before MySpace. This is before any type of social media was really on the rise. Internet was there. But the ability to cross network across the globe with somebody uh, that wasn't there. So I really needed to 
I was I was so grateful and beyond blessed to to have the opportunity to have a veteran in, in the industry where I saw a need. I saw a, a need there, and I was I, without even knowing. I was like, hey, I l- let me provide value for that need that you might have, which came in the form of remixing and adding pr- additional production until it started to just pick up. And I, I left my nine to five around two thousand two, and and just start just been making a living off of producing music ever since. Yeah, like the end of 2001 that was like my last my last job and just kind of like bouncing from project to project and it was it's been quite a roller coaster and that's led you know all all the, the gambit even now to like producing music for video gaming with uh, partnering up with ubisoft and doing a lot of things for like assassin's creed and and the crew and just dance and a lot of the ips that they have so it's been great. It's been an amazing journey. And what I'm most excited about now, which we'll get to later on in this interview, is, is Beat Academy and how I'm equipping aspiring musicians, artists, and you know helping them take their next step with their music production and uh, success in their music career. So that's, that's super awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that. It's definitely inspiring. And I, I love the, the reminder, too, and like the focus on the role of the mentors in your life and how big of an impact that that, that, that made. And that's something that I, I feel like I see reflected across all of the most successful people and all of my mentors is that they also have their own mentors and they've learned from, from others and, and, you know, are able to, to really shorten the learning curve so, so much by you know, surrounding yourself with people who've done the thing that, that you want to do. It also kind of reminds me of, you know, every Hollywood blockbuster movie or story always has this like this uh, mentor character right like yoda or dumbledore <laughs> you know like and i think that part of that is just that as as humans we really resonate with that idea because that's how our experience works is that we find yeah. that that mentor and so you're doing that you're providing that that service for so many artists it's it's awesome good that we're on on the topic of mentorship look at where we're currently at right now in the cultural landscape of how we're able to consume instant gratification at just a flick of our thumbs or fingers or just a click of a, a mount button we can have access to all the information. There is nothing new under the sun here that we that like that we won't have access to as far as information that we can get to as far as what we need to produce our music, to uh, build a fan base, and to actually have the success we're looking for in our musical careers, right? It's there. Like if we do enough research, we can find it. But the reality is the mentor doesn't just bring more information. What it does, it, it, it allows the encouragement and the validation for the craft that you're seeking to create, right? But it also allows you to bring it close to a tailored reality. It, what it does is it bridges the gap from expectations to reality. And a mentor holds you accountable from making sure that your expectations are a lot closer to your current reality. Because when you're looking at all this information out there, I think you get analysis, you know, you get paralyzed by so much of that information that you're like, I know how to, you know, I know how to make a beat now, I can do all these things. and why don't I have a million followers, you know, like overnight? Or why don't I have, you know, why don't, why don't I have a, a million streams? I made the beat exactly the way I found it on YouTube. And, and I think that's what it is. The expectation gets really far out from reality. And the mentor just kind of grounds you and holds you accountable to being like, no, man, this is the real life scenario. And this is how you can apply all that stuff into real life. And I'm going to help kind of steer you in the right direction. Mm. That's so good. And yeah, I mean, there's such an important distinction right now because of the, the landscape and the fact that there is so much information, so much overwhelm. And, you know, it's not just about information, about implementation and taking action. One of my favorite analogies in terms of like understanding this idea is the idea of, you know, taking a cross country trip. And, you know, if you're trying going out on your own, and you don't have a map, 
then it's going to be really difficult to find your way to the destination. If you're really persistent and you're willing to take a lot of wrong turns and kind of navigate as you go and ask a lot of people for help along the way who may or may not know how to, how to get there, then eventually if you're really persistent, you'll probably get there, but it's going to take you a run lot out of, gas, of time. Please. Run out of gas. Plenty of times you'll probably break down on the side of the road and it's going to get, but you can, if you're persistent enough, you can, a lot of times you can get there. But, you know, if you have a map, then it's going to make it much easier to get to the location. But then and I, I view the map as sort of like the information, right? So it's like the ideas, it's the lessons, it's it's maybe like a framework. But if all you have is a map, like it still requires that one, like you actually take action, you actually you move forward towards it. And, you know, sometimes that's not easy. And, you know, sometimes we get, we lose motivation or we get discouraged and it's a long trip. And sometimes we also fall off track or we don't even know where's our starting point. Where am I at on this map? How do I get to, so it sounds like what you're describing is, is part of the role of a mentor is around accountability and around, it's sort of like a GPS, you know, it's like a step up from the map, but it's actually sort of keeping you on track. And if you take a wrong turn, they kind of bring you, they ground you and they bring you back to make sure that you're, you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a great analogy. Yeah, Unless yeah. your GPS is in another language and you just don't even know where you're going. <laughs> so there we go. We can go. We can go. That's a new element to this analogy that I, that I could think about now. That's great. Yeah. That's see, perfect. That analogy. Now the different languages, like we have different mentors, different yeah. people who resonate with us, and so maybe someone yeah. speaks a different language doesn't mean that you know there's it's just exactly. Different language. And it's not it's not that you're like. And here's another thing to to keep in mind. I don't, we'll, I don't know how long we're staying, but on, on this on this subject, we sometimes feel like we can only use the you know the Mac Daddy GPS, right? We we can only use the pristine top of the line GPS. That's the only way we're gonna get, arrive at our des destination. We, we can only find mentors that are at least you know fifty years plus in the game, or or it's got to be the the Lewis Bells and 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 the big dogs in the in the industry. The reality is, you just need to follow somebody who's just two or three steps ahead of you. And that's the reality. It doesn't necessarily need to be the person, you know, who just got the Grammy last year. It could just be as somebody's like, hey, you know what? There's somebody on my block or there's somebody in my in my county or there's somebody in my city that owns a studio. And I just want to ask them a couple of questions. Why don't I just buy them lunch? You know, mm -hmm. and say, hey, listen, I'm I'm trying to record music in my bedroom, but I keep getting this weird thing. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of times this is there's an illusion thinking mentor equates to the like the top dollar the top shelf person but in reality if you can just have somebody who's just two steps ahead of you kind of help you move along you then ultimately become that person that can look back and help somebody who's two steps behind you and and you start to do that 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 notion where you're experiencing what that mentorship was supposed to do anyways which is to encourage and inspire you to move towards your next step that's really the i, I that's how i see it I, i've come across so many people as like oh man I, I'm glad I was able to find you. I, I've been looking for somebody with your quality. Now, granted, you want to follow some. You want to have somebody who's teachable, somebody who's a you know with who would like to mentor. You don't want somebody like grudgingly like, oh, I don't want to deal with you. And you know, just <laughs> I was like, okay, fine, dude. If you don't want me around, I don't want to be around you. That that goes without saying. But at the same time, you, you just be you you'll be surprised at how many people are just two a couple steps ahead of where you're at that can take you. A, a pretty uh, far distance. Mm. Yeah, that's that's so good, and I'm I'm glad that we're talking about this. I mean, I wasn't expecting to talk about mentorship. I think this is something that we all can relate to, and it's just part of the path of success in any area of your life is finding mentorship. And I really like the the focus that you brought to 
how yeah it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's like you know out of the league you know in, in most cases gonna be really inaccessible or really difficult to connect with and just isn't really at the point like the level like it doesn't make as much sense as someone who's a little bit closer to you that can is just ahead of you who can kind of guide you because they're more in touch with kind of where you're at right now and they might even be a better mentor for you based on where you're at right now and then also i really like how you talked about you know, paying it forward and, you know, mentoring other people and you know, realizing that you have value and that you can help others, you can lead others. And I think that's something that a lot of us overlook because we feel like we're not qualified enough yet. And in the, in the human condition, I think that in order to be fully fulfilled, both like we need to have a mentor, we need to, you know, have, have people that are ahead of us that we're being guided by. But then also, I think that there's an aspect to that where in order to be really, to be functioning at our, our highest level, I think that there is an aspect of being a mentor to other people and serving them. And there's something hugely fulfilling and like seeing a part of your, the same way for, for me, it's like when I look at my kids and, you know, there's, there's a, a piece of myself and in, in them. And there's just like so much love and, and connection that comes from that. And yeah, I kind of feel the same way about the, the people I work with and the, and the people I mentor, the artists that I work with, you know, I, I see a piece of myself in them. I remember what it was like when I was just starting out and no one listened to my band. We lived in our van and slept in Walmart parking lots, you know, so there's, there, there's so much passion. There's so much fulfillment that I think comes from having both ends of the spectrum. And, and I think it's really encouraging for a lot of people to think about it like that, that you almost always are going to have people like that who aren't where you're at yet and that you can serve in that way yeah yeah no that's awesome man that's really good all right so let's go ahead and let's dive into you know this is great this is i mean this is like fundamental stuff but you know you are a grammy nominated producer and have so much expertise and knowledge and experience around working directly with with musicians to help them improve their productions so i'm I'm sure at this point you start to see these patterns that come up over and over again and common mistakes or common challenges. So I'm curious, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see musicians struggling with when it comes to producing themselves in, in a home studio? Yeah. So working with major recording artists and then independent artists and then working with artists who are, or maybe have been dependent on other producers or other, you know, just seeing the full gamut, there, there is a common thread between all of them. And that is that there is a specific vision that, each artist has and there's a there's a you know there's that technological barrier sometimes that we run into of like you know i have this down in my head i have this you know this this vision of what i want to hear but i just can't get it out and a lot of times you know even and so uh, what i want to start off with is i say that because a lot of bedroom producers or a lot of artists think that whenever when they run into those roadblocks they think that they're the only ones in the world that deal with that and I, I bring that to the attention that the majors do that, the major recording artists do that. You know, when when I'm working with Sia or you know, whoever it is, like we're in the room and there's strengths and weaknesses that that artist has. The strength is Sia is a fantastic, amazing writer and lyricist, but she's not going to go there and try to like make the beats and, and start working in Ableton and cranking that off. That's why she's kind of like linking up with me and collaborating with me so that we can get that stuff done. And so I think there's a lot of times where when we're bedroom producers, uh, a lot of the struggles I see from a lot of the artists that I'm that I'm coaching and helping walk through, you know, how to, how to take their next step is that that they think that they are the only ones experiencing any of the valleys or downfalls, pitfalls of being a creative person. And the first thing I have to do is like, hey, it's okay. This is pretty normal. This is this is stuff that even the pros deal with. I say that because I think there's so many of those areas 
mentally and in their lives that they're just so hard on themselves for. It's like, oh, my music's never ready. Oh, I don't know. I don't really like it. I don't really like it. I, I, I'm, maybe I'm not cut out for this. It's like, you know what? Every Everybody's going to be asking, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Don't like how this track sounds and all this. So I, st I start off with that. I think that even on the mindset stuff and, and just even understanding some of the heart issues is realizing the, the, the difference between the majors and someone starting out are just years of realizing, they're just years of climbing over those hurdles that they normally run into of doubt and, and discouragement with their craft. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's, that's so important. And I think I've heard it phrased in a few different ways, but one of my favorite ways to think about it is that, that one of the most important uh, traits to be successful is that like a willingness to suck and willingness to suck repeatedly until yeah. you start sucking a little bit less. And then like you start to suck a little bit less, less, less. And then it's like, actually it doesn't suck so bad. Now it's better. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying is that really like step one is being willing to acknowledge that you're not, you're imperfect. You're just starting out and to develop a skill set, and you don't need to know everything and that's normal. And you're going to start out and you're probably going to fail and you're going to learn, learn lessons through every mistake that you made. And that's an important part of the, the process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because the way I like to think about it is like the, 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 the business owner, right? And then the creative artist. Usually the artist, when we dive into this creative world of creating music, we dive into it head first thinking, wow, I love doing it. I'm just going to pick up a mandolin or whatever it is and start just making music. And then the business owner is, okay, I'd like to open up a store. But before I do that, I need to count my costs. I need to come up with a business plan. I need to come up with my inventory. So they're strategically, if they are to be a good, successful business owner, they're strategically mapping out everything that needs to take place, A to Z, so that they can go ahead and start that process of entrepreneurship. The musician just jumps right in, splashes around in the pool, and after wading in water, treading water a couple years down, they're like, where, where am I? And where am I planning to go? And so we then at that moment think, okay, I'm starting to drown here because I'm just overwhelmed with the comparison, the discontentment and all these things. And then it's like, look, man, it's just like somebody who was starting off a business. They just counted the cost. They just know what their stuff going into. And so I'm not saying that we, we change it. I'm just saying that that's more what I've realized over the years is realizing, oh, okay, man, there's, I might not be where I want to be, but I'm definitely not where I started out to be. And, and that's really just really good. So I start off there for the bedroom producer, for the bedroom artist, for the independent artist, for those who, who might even been doing this for a while and just feel like I am not seeing any progress. You are. I mean, th there is progress there to be to take inventory of. It's just sometimes we need to have a sober assessment of where we started from and where we're going. And yeah, man, just, just keep moving. Like you said, you got to kind of, your beats kind of have to just straight up duck and just be you know stank for a little bit so you can get better because then then you really start to see okay yeah everything i am learning there's fruit of that and i think a lot of the times what i'm experiencing mostly from the younger people a lot of like maybe the 17 to 20 year old producers who have the time which is amazing they have the time in the world they have access to freaking youtube like i'm dating myself by saying wow the the fact that a you know, a 13, 14 year old kid can pop up his parents' laptop properly and legally download software in which they can create music and they have all the time in the world. They're not paying bills or whatever, and they could just make music. And I'm hearing some of the products that they're making. I'm like, this is freaking nuts. And you're what, 14? What comes with that is then they think, 
yeah, I can make music that easily because I have access to all this information, but why am I not seeing the success so easily? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the part that, that's the reality and expectation that has to get uh, bridged together. So, so yeah, I start off there and then, and then we can, we can kind of, we can walk into now more of the technical things like, you know, interfaces and recording and production stuff and all the little, all the nooks and crannies that come in with, with all that. But I think the big thing to really tackle is that initial mindset of, Hey, this is a process and, and expect it to be expected to be a roller coaster. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so good. And, and certainly is like fundamental. It's like building a house on a, on a foundation of rock as opposed to like sand. Yeah. So, so out of, out of curiosity, what do your recommendations be for like, do you have any, any tips or guidance when it comes to being at that point and kind of keeping their mindset in the, like keeping their head on the right game, like, you know, paying, paying attention or, or keeping stock of where they came from so that they don't necessarily fall victim to like comparisonitis. You know, is there, do you have any sort of mindset guidance? Yeah. I, I, I first try not to, I try not to formulate a silver bullet or a, this is exactly you do X, Y, and Z and you're exactly going to get this end result. I think that those kind of things can lead to a lot of frustration because being a creative, being in the music industry and, and wanting to create music uh, or and find success with music, we tend to think that there is a one size that does fit. Oh, that strategy is going to There are some principles that we could utilize and understand this is going to allow me to work smarter, not harder. Absolutely. But I think sometimes what we do is we try to, we take it way too personally. And then we try to think, okay, like, you know, Michael said, if I just do this, this, and this, I should see the success. There's, there's a lot of variables that to come into play. And what, what we're saying is have, have a buffer for those type of variables, have an understanding that those things could be different. And, and so, yeah, I, I would definitely take stock, like have fun, man. Just like love creating music, just love it have fun in the process. If you want to see some expedited growth, try at the very beginning, just either remixing or re or replicating songs that are really influential for you as an artist. Mm -hmm. So cover songs, learning how to produce them, how to, how to make them, you know, how, how does, how does Charlie Puth do that? Well, how do I, how would I make this Bruno Mars record? You know, like, and try recreating that from scratch. That's going to be the best way to learn. Because you're A, you're excited about that music, you're influenced by it, and then B, you're learning all the, the details that go into recreating it that you're that becomes second nature to you when you vent when you venture out there in the sea to kind of start swimming on your own. Mm. So that's that's kind of how I, I look at it. I think the first step is become a fan of the music that started you in this whole thing to begin with, that got you going to begin with. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of I mean, w one of the biggest leaps forward that, that I had when I, I went down the path with Paradise Fears of learning how to produce some of our songs and, and to work on some of the instrumentation was doing exactly what you said, like making a list of songs to recreate. And literally, like, for, for me at that point, it wasn't about being creative with the recreations. I think there, there's a point where it like it's like, yeah, you want to be creative and add your own originality and, and your own touch to it. But it was so valuable and important at the beginning to literally just like, had a track there. I'm like, okay, I want to create this exactly as is. And yeah. learning how to create those sounds was, was huge. Plus, I think the first time I ever met my now wife, I met her and she she listened to the recreation of Fireflies by Owl City. And, you know, five years of marriage later, so just saying that if you do this, you will find the love of your life. 
and everything. There you <laughs> no, go. But I, I, I love that. Yeah, that starting with the recreation and then, you know, kind of it's like you're creating these tools. And now that you have the tools, it's like, OK, well, how do I want to how do I want to use this paintbrush now that I've you know started getting comfortable with using the, the paintbrush? Yeah, I, and I, you're absolutely right. There, there's going to be plenty of room for your even when you recreate the stuff, you're going to add your DNA on it anyways. Like you're adding your own taste to it. You're adding your thing. I'm saying that it's one thing that gets overlooked a lot at the beginning because people think, okay, now that I'm doing this on my own, it's got to be 100% original. And everybody thinks they're creating, everybody thinks at the very beginning that they're reinventing the wheel or they're creating a new wheel in the sense. So they're like, no, man, I'm mixing like hardcore polka with reggae. Nobody's doing that. You'd be surprised there's that one guy in the Netherlands who's already done it. It's what I'm saying. Like, and it's like, you're not, you're not going to just create a brand new wheel. You're, you're, what you're doing is you're grafting yourself into a process that's already moving. You're, you're, you're coming on a train that's already moving. And so enjoy that ride and, and allow the influences that you have in music. You know, like I say that, like spend some time studying that, like, man, where, how, how would they get that snare drum like that? And that's, that's one, that was one of the reasons why on my YouTube channel, the Beat Academy YouTube channel, I implement that kind of um, strategy with the content. So I'm, I'm always breaking down songs that are currently being released every week, and I'll break it down. And I think because because a lot of times, a I was just I don't know what to freaking do for my YouTube channel, and I thought, hey, that that gives me a task to do every week, so it was good for me. But at the same time, there's some familiarity with people who see like, oh, like I like the song, and I would have never thought of it doing it that way. And it gives people a safe foundation to kind of start with. Like it gives people a good template to kind of start with. And then they start to feel comfortable with that. Because when things come together easily at the very beginning, it makes it easier for them to kind of like continue navigating through being creative. I don't know. This is all personal opinion on this anyways. But I've seen some really good growth come from that. And I've seen like, it just becomes easier for people when they have that kind of like template placed in there. So yeah, it, it can be, it can, because the temptation could be, I got to do this on my own. I got to create, think of, think of the burden you're putting on yourself. You got to create something so original, right? So original. No one's ever done it before. And it's like, you got to fly this airplane that has never been flown by any other human being. And there's brand new controls and you're going to do it on your first time ever flying. good luck luck, right so no man just get have fun with the process like make a bunch of cover songs record a bunch of cover tracks mash them up and just like the way you met your wife people are going to gravitate to that because they're already familiar with our track record of the stuff you're covering so when you do stuff like yeah i'm going to cover this song and mash it up with this song and put my own spin to it like what if like you were coaching a country artist right and what if that country artist started doing drake covers right? Like all the new Drake songs that come out and just did their own thing, them on a guitar, whatever, and just spun it in their own vein. That immediately just becomes magnetic to so many people. That's like, yo, I know that song and the way you did it, that's clever. That's, yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. It's just having fun, putting your creative spin on it, but don't try to create a whole new wheel. Just jump on the train that's already moving. Oh, what's up, guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. 
And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel. It's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, I think it's, it's really important too. And I, I think that there's actually a little bit we can dig into here because like what you mentioned about, about this, this feeling of being afraid to sell out or be unoriginal, it kind of, I think can kind of hold us back from having references or from being willing to do things like cover songs. And, and I think certainly like there's like Newton's laws of inertia, you know, like there's like a momentum to something. And if you... Yeah want to be commercially successful as an artist right now and you want to you know you want to reach as many people as possible then okay what's reaching as many people as possible right now and you know emulating that and and so i'm, I'm curious on it sounds like what you're saying is that you know you can't help but be yourself and even if you're modeling and you're referencing other other songs you're going to add your own stamp to it yeah. but i'm curious in terms of the phases so it sounds like phase one it's like okay you know get comfortable using the paintbrush and you can do that by modeling and, and learning how to recreate other songs what would you say is like the next step in terms of when someone is kind of at that point where they start getting comfortable and they can kind of play around a little bit more what would you recommend in terms of kind of adding that that original twist that original stamp that that seems to be working now yeah, I think I think phase one is a mixture of diving in, getting creative. So you've got a paintbrush and somebody's already loaded. You know, you, you're dabbling in, you're exploring. What does this blue look like? And you're you're experimenting. So I I didn't want people to hear this and think, okay, so am I not a lot? Am I slapping myself on the wrist if I'm trying to do anything original? No, have fun with the process. It's, it, that's what we're saying is like dive in with no expectations getting lost in it. That's the beauty of like where we are from day one. Like that's something that I need to actually revisit because at this stage of my career, I tend to find days where I'm like, okay, this is, I got like this, it becomes like this scheduled out thing. And I, I, I forgot how to get lost in, in the process of like, whoa, I, I used to have fun just like tweaking out and experimenting. So that's what I'm talking about. Does that make sense? So I'm, I'm talking about having that. And then what can help define, get more redefined, like, more depth in those colors that we're using is how, let me reference this with a track that I really love and then kind of like mess around with doing that and stuff like that. So I think phase two would just, and, and, and then becoming your own, finding your own original sound is going to be a part of that process. And when you, let's say you take three artists that you're mostly influenced by, right? So like if you're a hip hop artist, you say, you know, like I like Kendrick Lamar, Jay-Z and Most Def. And then you're trying to rap and you're doing stuff in that lane, those three are what I like to call the artist DNA that they've, they've pushed you in a specific lane. And then you, because of your fingerprint, because of your life's experiences, because of everything that you've gone through, you're uniquely going to approach a style that they, they, they put a soapbox 
those three artists converge and create a soapbox for you to stand on to deliver your message. Does that make sense? And so in the creative, let's let's get technical here. Let's say you've got Pro Tools open. You've got Studio One, Logic, UAS, Ableton, whatever it is that you're using. There's a mixture of that. I think the phase two would be like, okay, I've gotten, I'm, I'm kind of now getting comfortable with creating, right? I'm getting comfortable with like remixing or like taking other people's stuff and kind of reinterpreting on my own. Now it's, it's using those references as a, as a guide to be like, okay, where should I go? Like, how do I, how do I finish the song? How do I take this eight bar loop and turn it into a full, full out song? I think that's the big thing because people are hung up. They're hung up now in the jam sessions is what I'm saying. We're jamming, dope riff, it's eight bars long. I'm adding these tweaking things, I'm getting lost on Okay, good, you got it. Now let's get disciplined. <gasps> no, now let's structure that eight bar riff into the full out song. Yeah, but how do I do that? Well, go back to what we've been doing in phase one. We're using those reference tracks. So I, I, I tell a lot of people, put tracks in your actual projects, in your sessions. Put like a full out Bruno Mars song if you're gonna be in that lane. Put it in your actual DAW, put it in your project and then have it muted. And then look at, do the count. Okay, what are they doing in the verse? Oh, okay, after 16 bars, they introduce this percussion sound. They introduce that in the course. So those are the things that you start to do that then get ingrained that then allow you to become original. You start to become original when you know how to ride the bike so well enough that you start to do all the, you start to become confident in every maneuver that you're doing on your bike. But if you don't know what any lever does, if you don't know any of these things do, you're just going to be, you won't be confident to be original because you're still hung up on how can I do, I don't, I don't know what, what I'm doing here. I don't know why I brought a bike into this, but do you kind of know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what flashed into my mind as you're describing that was, I think the classic wisdom behind the karate kid, the wax yeah. on, wax off, wax on, like that, that takeaway of like, yeah. like, why am I doing this? Like, oh, I'm getting comfortable. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah, the yeah. superpower to be able to, to use this. So I, that's, that's awesome. I think that's, that's a super valuable takeaway to, to understand. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it's so crazy how obvious a lot of this conversation sounds, right? It's like, what, what are you, are you serious? Are you telling me to like, just get lost and not, it's obvious. But like I said, this is the years of me doing this, you know, 20 plus years now looking back and saying, oh man, it was so obvious. I just didn't know it back then. I can see it now. I can look back and realize it was so obvious. I just needed to just relax and not take it so seriously at the beginning. But at the beginning, I was taking it seriously because I didn't realize, you know, that's just how we are. We just, we need the guy to, we need the person two steps ahead of us to tell us we got toilet paper hanging on our shoe. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it's, it's true. I mean, I, I think that that's part of the trajectory of, of mastery is that the people who are the most successful tend to have figured out, like, they've gotten so good at doing the thing that they do that it just becomes yeah. very simple, very simple to them. So, you know, you might look at that and be like, oh, that's really basic, but it's, yeah, it reminds me of one of my mentors has a student who's like the world's number one champion in, in martial arts. And he was talking to him about like his practice. And he's like, yeah, like the number one thing that I spend the most time on is the basic punch. <laughs> it's like the, the one simple punch. Yeah. Yeah, that's where that's where he goes really deep. So I think that there's there's a lot of wisdom in the fundamentals and the principles and um, simplifying things as much as possible, but not more than possible. To quote Einstein, there. Yeah. Cool, man. So let's uh, let's keep moving on. So 
What are some of the other biggest like challenges, biggest mistakes that you see musicians make, especially when they're kind of producing themselves in a home? Okay, so I actually want to go with some practical technical stuff first. I think a lot of times there is a wow. It's kind of because this also this is a little similar to what we were just talking about being able to anchor your yourself to a reference, you know, because I think a lot of times when people are either writing their own songs and they're putting stuff down, I, I treat it as like in literature, you have run on sentences, you know, they what they're, they want to say something and they'll sacrifice the melody and the phrasing just so that they can say what they said. And at times I'm like, yeah, but if you listen to that song, that's charting like number one on the charts, I go compare that to this. It's like, yeah, but that's not, no, 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 but what, what's, what's unique about that melody that you're hearing and then compare it to yours. There's a, there's a phrasing, right? That melody, the interval, everything about that melody has a rhythm to it. There's a phrase there. Your idea is just kind of running all over the place. There's no melody that repeats itself. You're going on. So there's a lot of runoff melodies or a lot of runoff sentences that go off with a lot of singer songwriters at the very beginning. And I get that because they want to share what they have in their mind. I was like, man, I really want to say this, but they'll sacrifice saying all that without understanding how to deliver it in a way that catches the listener's attention because a great melody is how you get a crowd to turn around and listen uh, and turn around and see you. The message is how you get that crowd to listen to you. So without that melody, that's really locking people, turning people, hey, what, who, what is that? And then, oh, wow, but what are they, what are they saying? What are they talking about? That's the message of what you're saying. So there's a lot of that that goes on. So I think it really comes down to the importance of reflecting on reference and then moving ahead, reflect on the reference. Let me, comparing mine to this, how does that work? And and like I said, it gets neglected because so many people just want to jump in the pool. No, I know how to swim. Watch this, mom. It's like, I never took a swimming course in my life. And that's fun. People just like want to build an airplane 10,000 feet in the air and figure it out. And that's cool too, man. But what I've learned throughout my experience is like the huge plus that you get from, man, okay, what what makes that melody? What makes that 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 beat so good when, when I hear that? It's like, yeah, man, the phrasing is on point. And if you don't know exactly what it is, you can just analyze it. Okay, here's my melody. I'm going from like C to E and I go to D and I go, okay, but they're going from like their C to like G, like even little things like that, like, you know, like that, like getting that kind of crazy analytical about it and be like, oh, let me try writing melodies like that. And just messing around until you start, until you really get, oh yeah. That's what I've learned being in the studio with so many amazing songwriters, you know, whether it's with like a C or a Pharrell, when you, when you're with these people that have been around other people who do it really well, you see, Hey, there is a natural talent given that's like, wow, it's a freaking, you're absolutely talented, but it's that talent that's seasoned with the salt of experience from those around them. And I, and I look back, I'm like, Dang, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a much better line than what I was thinking. Yeah, that's yeah. Let's, let's go with that one. And I was like, why? Like, what what makes it so good? Oh, it's because like where they're going. Does it doesn't make any sense? So I think that's that's what I see a lot from people in the beginning. But that's okay. It's it's what's to be expected. But that's what I'm noticing from a lot of people is that are really kind of starting out, starting out. And then just like uh, I don't know why, but a lot of a lot of the vocal recordings just sound like they're being recorded on their laptop mic or something like that. They're, there's just way too much distance, or you know, they're 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 not thinking about like what uh, good recordings go a long way. I think we're getting we're once again we're getting hung up on a lot of the 
the post-production tip. Yeah, how, how to get a great vocal, you know, with, you know, how to make a dying move sound like, you know, Gloria Stefan or whatever it is. But what I'm saying is like, just get a great recording and you'll be surprised with how less a work you have to do on, on, on the, on the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I'll pause. That's a really good lesson. I mean, that, what that reminds me of is yeah, there's a few different ways you can describe it, like polishing a turd or putting lipstick on a, on a pig, you know, like the, the trying to fix something in post I've, I've heard it's you know, a lot of times if you can, it's so much better to just start out with a great source recording. That's certainly something that, I, that was a takeaway for me. Like when I when I've listened to some tracks or stems, you know, from from popular songs, I'm like, holy cow, this sounds amazing. Like even yeah. before it was it was fully mixed and mastered. So, what are some like common you know, for anyone who's listening to this right now who wants to take a step up in let's say their vocals, for example, just because vocals are such a you know important focal point of a lot of songs. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see artists making that that hurt their vocals and how can they take those a step up oh man it's crazy because it's going to be different for some you know it's it's like i said there's some there's some preferences and then there's principle right there's mm -hmm. preferences of like oh i would have liked vocal to be like this and then the, the principal things like uh, you recorded that outside in the you know in the moving traffic like that's that's a no-no <laughs> you know so yeah I, if you've got a tight space and you, you you know you're limited with research there is no excuse i have i have a vocal production course where i even teach you how to get a great vocal recording using a garage sale microphone that was for two dollars that i found like i went around purposely okay got this for two bucks let's record this work yeah it actually barely worked recorded it in, and i was like look you don't need the ten thousand dollar microphone the studio so i wouldn't even start with like simple basic things like transposing the key of the song does this work in your it, it, hey you might be surprised if you go a half step lower or half step higher how much better that's going to be for you when singing. A lot of times when I'm producing and writing a, an idea and, I'm, and I have the singer or the artist with me, we might start humming and vibing off of it. But then I'm like, she, she, she or he might be like, yo, can we go down on a, a half step or a whole step? And I won't mess around because as we start to, you know, finesse the melody and things are like, yeah, that's a spot there because that is going to be the sweet spot for me when I reach that specific note at the chorus or something like that. So I'm all for that. And sometimes I might feel like, oh, I don't know, going a half step lower changes the energy. But if it's going to give you the runway to do your thing, then that's where we're going. So I wouldn't start with things like that, like changing the key of the song. So the make sure that you're hitting in the specific range that you're at, actually doing some warm ups a little bit. Like, I know we go like from voice memo to like, get a pro demo, you know, it's like, yeah, all right. And let me just put it down. And that's fine. You want to capture the idea. So definitely capture the idea down. But when you're when you're ready to kind of record some vocals, doing a little bit of warm ups, like helping, you know, like, uh, do your best to memorize lyrics. You'd be surprised how much you can actually tell when somebody's reading off of their phone or a paper and singing that into the microphone rather than actually saying, okay, I got the lyrics, we got the melody, I've got the ideas down. Let me spend at least an hour or two just memorizing this thing. Night and day. And I guarantee, I'll stop there because that I think those are big ones. When somebody can memorize the lyrics, just give them an hour or two and they memorize the lyrics, they're then able to perform it. When somebody's like, all right, we just got it down, let me just put it down real quick. Some artists could do it well. Like there's some artists that can be like, oh, I got it, let me, I got it. And then they just, they nail it. I'm like, you nailed it. Awesome. Let's go for it. A lot of times for people who are just kind of starting out and getting used to this thing, when they're reading off the phone, I can feel it. 
I don't know if that makes sense, but I can I can feel where it's just a little stiff. There's a lack of confidence in the delivery. And so I'm all about the delivery. I want to capture, I can EQ, I can compress, we can do a whole bunch of things, but without, rather than going there, yeah, I use this compressor, I use this EQ. How about delivering it well? I don't care if it's pitchy because I can just go boop, boop, pitch it up and we're good. But there's no plugin that adds character to a vocal, right? So I'm all big about that. Like, give me character. If you're gonna, if, if it's a, if a song full, that's angst. I'm not, I want to sing. No, no, man, come on, like get in it, right? Uh, if it's a laid back, you know, massive attack type of vibe, you're not gonna be like, we're arms wide open, you know. <laughs> you're gonna be so. I, yeah, like I, you know, I think that that would really, that's what that, that gets the the vibe across more. So. This is just a few things that I've noticed throughout my years that have played a big role in like a night and day performance where there's a little bit of warming up. There's maybe changing the key for that person to feel comfortable to perform it and then just taking time to memorize it so that they can own the performance and delivery and then just nailing it through a couple takes. You know, I'd rather do that than like a whole bunch of vocal comping, chopping all this stuff up and and doing a whole bunch of things like, all right, yeah. So, yeah, and then, and then just get like a decent, you know, there's so many microphones out there now. You could just get like a decent, good condenser mic and put it in the center of the room. And, you know, so it's, you don't get a lot of, and get like a nice little shield around it and you're good, you know, or in a big open room, whatever. Like, I'm not trying to get too hung up on the technical stuff, but I think we're getting way too hung up on a lot of the technical things. The technical, like, oh, what, at 4K or do I boost this? Or, that stuff's good, but leave it for the people. Like, like don't get hung up on that. Where are you gonna for you know boost 4K on a song that you, you know when you sound like a dying flamingo? Like no, like just like <laughs> get, the, get the performance first, and then you could figure out the 4K and all the other stuff. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's so good. I mean, it's such a great example. I feel like of the advice that comes from mastery versus you know when you just start getting some expertise around something. You know, it's easy to be like, oh, like all these plugins, all the different, like exactly like this, compared to like, oh nope, it's actually. It's actually like these things. Here's the fun. It's really the simple things. Even just that first one that you shared, just like, you know, figuring out the right key of the song that just suits your voice. Like that's that's something that honestly I I've overlooked. Like that's a huge a huge game changer that can totally change the character and the vocal performance. And yeah, memorizing the lyrics is a great one. Awesome. So last question for you that I think is is a really helpful one, and and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Is sort of knowing knowing when or if it's the right time to find a producer to work with and to take the songs to the next level. You know, it, it seems like nowadays with the level of access that we have to all of this information on, on YouTube and courses and all this gear, that there's an ability, you know, there's like a possibility to really go deep into this and to learn so much yourself. So I'm curious on your thoughts for like, when and if it's the right time to find a producer to work with and how you navigate that situation versus like recording yourself and sticking with that and like finding the right producer and, and what your recommendations would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think as, as we've stated before, it's going to look different for everybody. And I think there's a different personality that allows that person to be like, I'm bootstrapping this myself and I'm going to go all in. I'm going to learn how to record. I'm going to learn how to mix. I'm going to learn how to master produce, get it. And that's awesome. You're going to do that. Stick, you know, just stick with it, crawl through the mud and get it done. 
But you'd be surprised even even people bent on that path that are that are heading down that road. Um, not it's not a wrong road to go on. When you're heading down that road, you would see the the numerous blessing that comes from collaboration, even on that path. Like, because you're gonna you're gonna realize with some with some rhythm and, and practice, you're gonna realize, man, okay, I'm this is what's coming easy to me. Like picking up a guitar, coming up with riffs and, and vocal melodies, I got it. But man, getting this thing to actually sound decent, that's kind of where I'm lacking. And so I would even push more on the strengths and the natural giftings that come easily to you. And then start to like think about, okay, you know, these I can spend time now strengthening these little weaker links that I have, or I can just collaborate with somebody saying, you know what, here I've learned the basics of recording and putting a beat down uh, to something, not like putting a beat down to somebody, but putting, you know, putting <laughs> a beat or somebody. Like I've got that down. I've got the basic principles down. I've got the, the basic elements there so that I can interpret or understand how to articulate my vision to the person I'm handing the baton over to, 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 you know, for those of you who are not familiar with, you know, a, a relay race, you're, you're handing over the baton so somebody can then pick up where you left off and head to the finish line. So I, I, I'd see it like that. I think as you start to become more confident, more aware where your weaknesses lie, have somebody else be a part of that journey. And then you'd be surprised with the results of that. I wouldn't say like, Hey, when you get to point A, that's when you get to go to a producer. Like I said, it's going to be different. And some people might not, some people I've got, artists and members of my beat academy platform that have done it from you know they had no idea between a hard drive and a toaster oven to like starting out to record then they're finishing up their ep mixing and mastering it all on their own and they're they're doing great and that's awesome so yeah like i said that that might be it for somebody but there's so many resources out there whether you're taking advantage of the stuff that you're providing or beat academy or sound better whatever it is just note that i think What's always going to give you the best results is when there's a nurtured relationship, when there's somebody that's like, man, I, I got what you're, not every producer is going to be great for every artist. I get hit up so much with a lot of independent artists or people on Instagram and be like, hey, I've got ideas. I want to collab. Yo, can, let's collab. Or would you like to produce? I would like you to produce my stuff. And although I can just simply hit them, yep, this is what it's going to cost to work with me. And there you go. But I can simply say, you know what? I might not be the best vibe. I might not be the best fit for you just because I'm, I'm not in the ballad space or I'm just not, I don't know. I, I'm just not, I can point you to somebody I know that would really fit you, your, your style. I think that's really a big part, not just knowing when to work with the producer, but establishing a relationship with somebody that gets your vision or that gets you as an artist. Does that make sense? And I think when you do that, there's going to be a natural ebb and flow of, hey, man, I get you. And I understand, you know what? I do this. Let's collaborate because it's going to be a very mutual, beneficial relationship. And it's not going to be forced because I like what you're doing already. I only want to come along and add value to what you're doing and enhance what you're doing, not, not have you restructure everything, rebuild everything and rediscover who you are and then go where I want to go. Does that make sense? Because I think that's a lot of times what a lot of people come to me and say, hey, can you work with me? And I'm like, I don't like where you're headed. And I, I personally want to deconstruct everything you're doing. And so we can go where I want you to go. It's selfish of me. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I don't like where you're headed because I don't know if I want to go there. So if you want to ride on this ride, you got to go this way. And I don't want to do that to them. So I'm like, I don't know. It's not going to work out. Maybe love what you're, you know, you've got some great music, but you might want to hit up so-and-so. And they might, they might really benefit you now I've, I've had the pleasure of working with like a 
crazy spectrum of artists from all different ranges. You know, whether it's from Timberland and Roisin Murphy, which is a you know an amazing, talented artist from Europe, and then we've got like Kygo, which is you know in the dance world, and then we've got like Kelly Rowland. So I've been like all over the place, even done some kind of like scoring stuff for like movies and and, and this. so. I, I, I love the challenge. So when somebody's like, yo, can you go? I was like, you know what? That seems like a challenge for it. But not everybody's like me. And there's guys who are like, I don't want to, I, I do what I do and I love doing it. That's my, that's my rant. I don't know if I made any sense, but there it is. <laughs> there's, there's a ton of really good stuff there. So, so I mean, it, it sounds like the biggest takeaways are that, you know, there's not a one size fits all for, for everyone. And specifically, especially when it comes to producers, a lot of it's about finding people you resonate with, who understand the vision, who are a good fit for you. Yeah. And, and also a lot of it's about figuring out, like taking stock of what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses and being strategic about who compliments you based on those. So even just like, you know, making a list, like sitting down, okay, like what are my strengths as a musician, as an artist and, and a recording artist, and maybe also asking for some feedback from other artists that you've worked with, producers you've worked with, who can be honest with you about what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, and then being strategic about finding people that can complement you and can, can resonate and work really well together. Yeah, wow. Why didn't you just answer the question? That was much better than <laughs> No, dude, see, that's that's what I do is I just, I reflect. <laughs> I reflect, so it's your, your genius. You <laughs> awesome, man. Cool. Good. Well, hey, dude, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think um, I, I've learned a ton. I always know that's a great conversation when like I come away with it. I'm like, man, like this, this is great. Like I've learned a ton. So thank you so much for, for being here and taking the time to share what you've learned and you know, to be able to mentor other artists as well as you know, continue your own career. So anyone who is listening to this right now who's interested in learning more from you, I, I know that you have a ton of resources when it comes to like free trainings and courses and whatnot, but what would be the best place for people to go first to, to dig deeper? Just head over to beatacademy.com. There's plenty of free resources available there. And there's also many opportunities for you to take that next step. Like I said, I provide the resources, but I wanted it to be a mentorship bridge, not only access to myself, but to other leading industry professionals that I invite into the process. And so beatacademy.com. And, you know, if, if you're like, well, I don't, I don't make beats. I'm a song. Trust me, I got so many people from all across the board, singer songwriters that are tired of depending on other people to produce their music. They want to learn how to do it. EDM DJs that are, you know, hey, I've been DJing for a while and I, I'm diving into wanting to produce my own music to actually play it and where I'm, I'm at. And so, yeah, it's it's quite an amazing community. So there's accountability there to help you. There's there's monthly accountability to help you get moving on your goals and and yeah, I'm, I'm deeply involved in that. So I'm spending a lot of time in the Beat Academy platform. I'm super excited about that. So beatacademy.com. And as you mentioned, through that, you'll find access to all, all my free resources and, and the membership that I have available. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate it. And you know, just to reiterate, like I, I think that creating music and learning how to really hone your craft and to, you know, to learn from people like yourself who have spent so much time and tens of thousands of hours already to learn it. It's such a huge opportunity that I would highly recommend going and checking it out and checking out some of the trainings and, and seeing how, how you can serve them more. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Cool. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. 
First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.